Evening, church. So if you have your Bibles with you, would you open up with me and stick on Luke chapter 6. We're starting from verse 1. Luke chapter 6. It will be on the screen if you didn't bring your Bibles. But church, travel back in time with me to witness this scene. You can observe two groups. One group is up ahead, walking upon the dusty road. And then you have the other group behind, being all sneaky, being all sly, snooping around, being inconspicuous. And you see one of them puts his hands on his ears, peace, and he starts saying, I have eyes on the target. The suspect is with his group of 12. And in the earpiece, it says, Eagle One, report the location. I I, I think they're walking towards the grain field. They entered. I've lost sight of the visual. I'm going in. Eagle One, be careful. Don't, Don't compromise the mission. Stay your distance. Good luck. Over. And as Eagle One does some hand signal to his team, and as his team stealthily gathers around and surrounds the group of 12, well, 13, waiting for an illegal activity to happen. And they were not disappointed because what they see is that the disciples start to pluck these grains off the stalks, crushing it with their hands, and they started eating it. And you hear Eagle one, uh-huh, yes, yes, move in, boys. And all his boys pounce on this group and says, well, well, well. What do we have here, Mr. JC? Looks like you've been caught red-handed. Now let's back out of this scene. And what is happening here? Jesus and his crew were about to be apprehended, were about to be interrogated by these Pharisees who were stalking Jesus for some time to find some fault in him, to find some blemish within his reputation. And you might be wondering, man, it's not like it's a drug bust or anything. It's not like they were crushing drugs and inhaling it or (laughs) consuming it. They were just crushing some grains and eating it. Like, what's what's the big deal? It's... you, some of you may be thinking, oh, are they busted for, for stealing? Because, you know, that's not their farm and they're plucking some food off that farm and they're eating it. Was, were they in trouble for stealing? No, they weren't. Because in the Jewish law at that time was you're actually allowed to go into someone's farmland. You're allowed to pluck some food off their crops and you're allowed to eat it there and then. You're just not allowed to stash it away and go home with it. That's stealing. So... These disciples and Jesus, they they were within their rights, the rights of the provisional land law. So what's the crime here? The Pharisees who were the religious elites questioned Jesus and we find out in verse 2. Why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? In other words, Jesus, you're breaking the Sabbath. Now, what is the Sabbath? Why was the Sabbath so important to the Pharisees and these Jewish leaders that when Jesus broke a few Sabbaths later on, they really got mad and they just wanted to kill him? Was it just more than eating just some grain? Of course it was. But what was it? What is the Sabbath? So before we continue, would you pray with me? 
Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we thank you. Lord, we, we pray that your Holy Spirit will help us understand what true rest is tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you guys have heard me preach, if you were here when you heard me preach the last time I was up here, or if you caught up with all of our podcasters, you would know that during the season, I'm, I'm going through a very rough patch where I'm just feeling tired, I'm anxious. I felt that my body was, was breaking down. What I didn't tell you was when I went to the toilet, there was like blood everywhere, like for two days straight. And like, it's a major health scare. Like my body's breaking down. And I'm just being so anxious because it's years and years of all this ministry and I'm just being so consumed by responsibility and expectation that I've placed on myself. And I feel that I've been running and running and running and running and running and running really much. I'm just running myself to the ground. But in those moments, God was so gracious. I just feel that He, he leans in and He goes down to my level and He says to me, Dexter, and He whispers to me, Dexter, are you ready to just to sit and enjoy me now? And I love that about God. And, and I tell you, for the last week or so, it's been amazing. And I've just been so liberated by everything. And God just, I feel that God's really picked me up. And for those of you who come in here weary and burdened, you're anxious about something, you're stressed about something, and you're, maybe you're just confused of what's going on in life. This sermon's really for you because I want you to also feel the liberty that I felt when, when God came to me and he spoke to me and, and he set me free. This sermon's really for you who, who feels that you are in change. You're bogged down by these heavy weights of, of life. It's really for you. Now, why do I want to speak the topic of rest tonight? And it's simple, because as I look around in our 21st century, even though relatively speaking, we're at in the time of peace, right now there's like no wars happening, there's like no missiles being thrown around and nukes being bombing everywhere. Right now, it's, it's relatively a time of peace. Our medicine is more advanced than ever. We also have technology that keeps updating and upgrading itself, and you think people would be more happy. But it's not true, is it? The level of anxiety in society has increased and increased. You see more people agitated. You see more people irritated. You see people more stressed and suicidal. And I don't even need to pull out the fact sheets to convince you. You know so. There's something within our modern life that we are living that is not helping us with our soul flourishing. There's something with this rapid pace of living that's not helping us restore our soul. We're living in a speedy world, are we not? And we have people that are just crashing everywhere and they don't know how to slow down. I feel like it's like this. I remember when I was younger, I was playing with a remote control helicopter, and I made it go so fast. I made it go so fast that it hit my friend's head. It's okay, I'm all right. 
I didn't lose a best friend. Um, he's actually, I'm actually one of his groomsmen next year for his wedding. Um, so that didn't break our friendship, but... <laughs> but the point is, why, why I'm sharing that is sometimes we go so fast that we lose control, that we hurt those around us, and sometimes we hurt ourselves. And a lot of accidents happen on the road because people speed. Or maybe they're just Asian bad drivers, but no, they're people speed. When I was in Queensland, when I used to watch TV, I don't, I hardly watch TV anymore, but when I used to watch TV, there was um, these ads by the driving campaign Australia Queensland. They used to put on these ads, and at the end of it, the motto is, every K over is a killer. But now when I watch these ads... Do you know what they say? It's, so there was an ad about this guy and a girl. They were driving in the car. Six. Okay, so you drove really fast. You killed your girlfriend, but you lived. But that's not really living. That's a living nightmare. And it says at the end, slow down, stupid. The ad just outright calls you stupid. <laughs> slow down, stupid. Human beings, we're not meant to go that fast. There are times where we should have stopped. There are times where we actually do need to slow down. How are we meant to function as human beings? How are we meant to function as the created? Well, to answer that is we have to seek the creator on how we were designed and how we were made to, to function. And so we look back in the creation account in Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis 2, 1 to 3. So what happened is God created the heavens and the earth. He created everything and then pretty much he completed everything. And then on the seventh day, God finished his work and it says he rested. He rested. Now that word in the Hebrew is sabbat. That's where we get the word Sabbath from, which means to rest, to stop, or to cease. And God blessed it that day and made it holy. Now, the interesting thing about this passage is when God finished that work, all that work, He wasn't like, man, creation is tiring stuff. And He took a huff and a puff. No, He didn't do that. He just simply made a decision, okay, I created everything and now I'm going to stop. Stopping was a part of the rhythm that God instilled within creation. And God's very different to us. When we rest, we rest because we're tired. We rest because we want some restoration. When God rests, it was his choice. And again, he's setting the rhythm for creation, And how do I know this? Look, every time you see when God creates something, at the end of the day, he will say, that's good. And then the next day, he create another thing, and then he says, that good. But at the end of everything, God says, that's very good. And then he stops. What is God portraying here? What he's portraying is that he's satisfied with what's being done. He's satisfied with what's being done. That's why he's resting. He's, He's not like us when he rests. Here's why I think that some of you can't rest properly. Why? Because you're not satisfied. You think there's still so much more to do. There's so much more money to earn. There's much more to study if I want to pass my exam. 
There's more YouTube videos, makeup video tutorials to watch. There's more games to play, and that's why you're not resting well. And sometimes we feel like we are like a hamster on a perpetual wheel of works. And we run and we run and we run a lot, and then you realize you've gone nowhere. So just from the creation account, we dig into it further. Some people have this idea that in heaven there's going to be no work. Work sucks. I want to quit my job right now. So that's, that's some people. But you know, in the creation account, when the world started in its perfect state, there was work, but work was a good thing. Work, there was work before sin. Work was not the result of sin. There was work before sin. So what's the problem back then when it was all perfect and now? Again, I tell you, work is not the problem. The problem is the absence of rest. You get that? The absence now is <laughs> the fallen humanity. We work and we work and we work and there's no stopping. There's no Rest. This is the fallen human condition. We don't know how to rest. We are not in sync with the rhythm of creation that God has set it upon. We are created to power down. So many when our phones, so many times when our phone starts getting glitchy, you know what the Apple nerds, what they called Apple genius, I don't know what they called, um, they just tell you, have you turned it off and switched it back on? And so many, so many of your problems would have been fixed. There's a rhythm, and that rhythm includes us resting. Another example is our drummer, Billy. Man, he was so good today. Give, give him a hand of applause. Billy, you awesome, man. So let's say Billy, he's on the drums, and he grabs these two sticks, and he just goes... <laughs> and he just goes berserk. You know what that's called? That's just called noise. That's <laughs> just called noise. But Billy, he's, you know, he, he did so well today and he's, and he's hitting it and then he stops. Now what's that called? Musicians will know that's called a rest. And only with a rest, there's a rhythm and there's a beat. No wonder why so many of us feel as we go berserk in life, that we just feel out of tune with, with everything. Is that not true? The absence of rest. And we don't know how to rest properly. Again, some of us work so hard for money. I'm just using money as an example now. Money. Why do you work for money? Because you think that when you get more money, you can rest. When you have enough money, you cannot work. You can quit your job once you have enough money. But let me tell you the reality. You look at the millionaires and the billionaires, the famous Hollywood stars, they're not sleeping. They're not at peace. Yes, you may have a lot of money, but that does not bring restoration to your souls. 
It does not bring you peace. And ironically, sometimes the more you have, the more you worry. Oh man, someone's going to nick my Yeezy shoes. Or someone's going to nick this makeup set that I have. Or someone's going to nick this or nick that. Or, and I tell you, this, I, I've worked with, well, I, I know some really rich people. And they tell me that they're only getting three hours sleep. And I'm like, what? Why? Because every night they're on their iPad or their phones or their laptops checking their stocks. Because they're worried that it might plump it down. Money, pursuing money, would not give you rest. So is pursuing grades would not give you rest or any other idols that you chase. So how do we get rest for our souls? The Bible in Exodus 16. Turn with me to Exodus 16. We're going to jump around quite a bit in the Bible before we get back to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 6. Exodus 16. This is when the, the Sabbath day was introduced in the Bible. In the whole of the Bible, this, this is when the Sabbath day get introduced to the, the nation of Israel. And this was how it was introduced. It was introduced in this context. When God rescued his people from slavery out of Egypt. He's, and now they're wandering in the desert. And God's going to send them down manna. And he says, pretty much says, hey, Look, I'm going to send down manna day after day. So every day you come out and you grab as much as you need. And then they did. But then he says, but on the sixth day, you gather twice as much. Because on the seventh day, there's going to be no manna raining down. So you don't need to gather anything. You guys can rest. You guys can rest. And and it's actually in a command. Tomorrow, it's a day of rest. It's a holy Sabbath. Set it apart. This is the Lord's day. Don't do anything. It's not like any other day. This is a special day. Just rest. Just take a day off. And so when people, so when the Lord gave his people the Sabbath, it was a day of rest. It was pretty much a gift to them. Because as slaves, they never got a day off. As slaves, back in Egypt, Pharaoh would often work them to death. And as slaves, if you take a day off, that's the day you die. You just kept beaten and, and you get weaker and weaker and they'll just, they'll just kill you off. So what God is introducing here, hey, this is a day of rest. This is a gift. This is meant to liberate you. Take a break. But what happens? On the seventh day, people went out to, to, to search for some manna. And God's like up in heaven and is like, what, what are you guys doing? Guys, I had told you, there's going to be no manner of rain in there. Don't you trust me? Don't you trust that I provide? What, what are you, why are you still working? You're my children. Why are you still acting like slaves? Have you experienced that? You, you, maybe it's yourself. Maybe you know a workaholic that's just working themselves to the ground. And one person that's very close to me is, is my dad. I love my dad. And it's been a month now that, that the doctors have been saying, like they're monitoring, monitoring his heart. It's, it's, it's slowing down. It's beating irregular. And, and what happened? He's just been so stressed. Clients are rushing him. 
And then last Wednesday, he actually ended up in the hospital. He just started getting dizzy, chest pains, rushed him to the hospital. He's in the hospital all night. My brother, the family was, was with him. He gets out. Lucky he wasn't a heart attack. Lucky he gets out. True story, he sleeps for three hours and then he's back at the workshop. I'm like, Dad, what are you doing, man? Like, you need a rest. Dad, it's, it's time for you to rest. And what happens then is five days later, on the Monday, he ends up in the hospital again because his head started getting so many migraines, his neck gets stiff, his whole arm, pretty much his half of his body gets paralyzed. And that's signs of a stroke. And again, we, we took him to the hospital and he rested for one day and he's back in the workshop again. I'm like, Dad, come on. Before we can judge the Israelites on, oh man, you guys are so stupid. God told you to rest. Like, why are you out there? I, I can understand now because my dad, let me tell you a little bit about my, my dad. He was an orphan in Cambodia. When the Khmer Rouge came, killed his uncle and family, they only spared him if he worked every single day. The moment he stopped, the moment they would have executed him. And so he, he and it's still traumatizing him 50 years later. This is 50 years already. And he still thinks that he has to work every single day or else he's going to die. And I'm praying for him. I'm trying to get him like, hey, God's given us rest, Dad. Come on. Maybe some of you are like that. Maybe someone you love is like that. Just keeps working and working and working. So anyways, the seventh day, the Israelites, they went out and they started collecting manna. And God gets pretty frustrated about this. He's like, don't you guys trust me? Don't you guys trust me that I'm going to provide for you? And then later on in Exodus 20, in response to all this, because most people, they weren't resting. They were going out on the seventh day. God pretty much doesn't just make the Sabbath a rhythm of life. He actually pretty much makes it a rule. God puts the Sabbath in the Ten Commandments as the fourth commandment. And it says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you will labor on the seventh day. It is, shall be for the Lord your God a holy Sabbath. On it you shall not work, neither you you don't work, your neighbors don't work, your sons don't work, your daughters don't work, even the animals don't work, even the aliens and foreigners around you, they don't work. Just like the creation, six days the Lord made the heavens and earth, the seas and all that's in them, but on the seventh day he rested. And he's pretty much saying, look, look, I am already making, like I am already a model for you. Look to me like this is the example that you should follow. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And I'm com- so pretty much he's saying, I'm commanding you now. This is not an advice. I'm commanding you now. Take a break. Kids, you need rest. It's for your own good. Because I love you. That's why I'm enforcing this upon you. Or else you are going to run your head into your own peril and destruction. Out of my love, I'm enforcing this upon you. As a father of a one-year-old, 
Ariel is, reminds me so much about myself. She's stubborn. <laughs> uh, she's cheeky and she's just so playful. She just wants to play and play and play and play and just run around, play and play. And sometimes I would have to, to cause, and she's getting cranky and I see that she's getting tired and I don't want her to get sick. And so sometimes I would just have to tackle her and, and just hold her. And just put her to sleep. Not like that. I'm just, I'm just shaking. But I, I would hold her, and she'd be kicking and screaming, and she'd be yelling in my ear like, ah! And I'll keep at it, and I'll keep at it, holding her, not letting her go, until she runs out of energy, until she sleeps. Why? Because I love her, and I know sleep is important for her. And I know what some of you guys are thinking. It's like, Dexter, you just want to sleep also. <laughs> no, there's much more else to sleep that parents want to do. Marriage retreat. <laughs> sleep is important. Sleep therapists will tell you if you lack sleep, it could lead to things like hypertension, heart attack, diabetes, weight gain, anxiety, depression, a slow reaction if you play sport, brain damage. Your hormones will go whack, like testosterone. It will just increase, and that's why you find yourself so energetic, so fidgety, and sometimes you find yourself so irritable, and you just have a temper, you just explode. You can have the person with the best self-control and very calm, but you just don't let that person sleep for a while. That person will just go nuts at you. While hormones are running rampants in the body, other hormones, such as the growth hormones, stops. Because why? Growth hormones gets released when you sleep. So for those of you who are dreaming to be in the NBA, if you're not sleeping, you're going to stunt your growth, bro. During the World War, one of the torture forms was for the prisoners is the guard just don't need to give these guys sleep. And they will go nuts. They will go crazy. They will be seeing creatures that doesn't exist and they will just go nuts. Or if you hear at Oikos, because we have so many parents with so many new infant newborns, you just look at them. Sometimes you catch them talking to themselves. They're never the same because they're not getting enough sleep. When you lack sleep long enough, your organs can deteriorate and ultimately leads you to your death. It won't kill you straight away, but it will kill you. And now some Christians, we wonder why we aren't growing spiritually. We stunted our growth because we're not resting. Sometimes we think, oh, I still wonder why I still have this temper. I wonder why I'm feeling spiritually sick. I wonder why I'm spiritually dying. Well, I say to you, that's because you are not spiritually resting. You are not observing the Sabbath. Then moving on to Exodus 31, verses 13 to 17. This is what it says about the Sabbath. This is God. You must observe my Sabbath because this will be a sign between me and you for generations to come so that you may know that I am the Lord who make you holy. And in verse 17, it will be a sign between me and you forever. This is a lasting covenant. So two things there. 
When we make the Sabbath holy, when we set that day apart, on that day, God is also working in us. He is making us holy. And another thing is the Sabbath, it's a sign. And what does a sign do? It's not rocket science. A sign points to something outside of itself. It's pointing to something that it wants you to see. But what is the Sabbath pointing to? I'll answer that very soon. So what we know about the Sabbath in the Old Testament, that it was a gift, that was one of the ways that God provided, it was out of God's love, God is making his people holy, he's separating them. It's like, hey, you, you are my kids, and, it's, and it's, it's all good things about the Sabbath. But unfortunately, when we get to Luke chapter 6, unfortunately, when we get to Jesus' time, the Sabbath now is so warped. It became a symbol of a heavy yoke. The law that freed the people now becomes the chains that bound the people. And the teachers of the law, they put volumes and volumes, books and books on how to observe the Sabbath. And it gets so confusing. And some of the rules are crazy. And I picked some today to tell you. I can't go through all of it. It'll take hours. So if you threw an object in the air and you caught it with the other hand, you're violating the Sabbath. But if you threw that object in one hand and you caught it in the same hand, okay, that's okay. That's weird. Now, you're not allowed to walk around more than a kilometer or a thousand steps. That would be violating the Sabbath law. But I'm like, who's counting? They didn't have a, like a smartwatch that counts their steps at that time. Who's counting? You'd be fearful to take a bath during the Sabbath because if you spill that water on the floor and you have to wipe it up, that counts as work. Oh, you're sinning. And on the Sabbath, you're not allowed to lift. So for those of you who are gym junkies, like our head usher Kai here, if you lift on the Sabbath something that's too heavy, you are breaking the Sabbath law. And for the women, besides your clothes, your jewelry can only weigh, the amount of your jewelry can only weigh a dried fig. Now that's weird, but I guess you, you can... Wear a dry fig, but that doesn't look good fashionably. <laughs> Just all these weird laws. And so at Luke chapter 6, as we see Eagle 1 all happy celebrating with his team. Ah, we got him. Technically, Jesus, what you just did was harvesting. Technically, that's working. Technically, that's breaking the Sabbath law. Technically, you're a sinner. And as they celebrate, Jesus replies to the Pharisees, have you not read? Have you not read? That's an offensive line. Because the Pharisees' job, their whole existence, their whole identity hinges on their knowledge of the scriptures. Have I not read? Oh, no, you didn't. I can just see some attitude rising up and bubbling within them. And then Jesus, that was only the entree, by the way. Have you not read? And then he uses the example of King David as an illustration. Back then, King David, he was running away from King Saul. He was on the run. Of course, he's going to run more than a kilometer. David's not going to like, okay, that's a kilometer. I better stop and get. No, he ran more than a kilometer. He, he ran to the temple. And because him and his men were so hungry, they asked the priest for the showbread that's in the temple. And the showbread, it's three kilograms. That's, that's 
some heavy bread. That's, imagine if you had to carry that for bread run. That's, that's pretty heavy. And he lifted that and he ate it with his buddies. But the Bible never condemns them for it. You see, God never created any of the law to overrule human need or the sustenance or the perseverance of life. In other words, the Sabbath was meant to be for a good thing, but you guys, you turned it into something oppressive. Sabbath was always about God providing. And at this, the Pharisees were flabbergasted, thinking that, Jesus, are you challenging all the scribes and all the theologians that we have in history? Jesus, what makes you so sure? And then Jesus drops the bombshell and he says, oh, by the way, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. (laughs) I'm the Lord. Just like in an art gallery, you have two men staring at a painting. One of the men turns around and says, oh, by the strokes, by the colors, the dark colors, by the the lighting and the shades. Oh, this painting depicts the suffering of humanity. And the other guy turns around and says, no, it's depicting hope. Or what makes your opinion more valid than mine? That's just your opinion. And then the second guy goes, "Uh, that's because I'm the artist. I painted that painting. It's like that. So what was Jesus claiming when he says, I am the Lord of the Sabbath? Who created the Sabbath day? God did. So what Jesus is claiming here is that I am the God of creation. And at this, the Pharisees go nuts. Well, what did he just say? And on another Sabbath, Jesus sees a man with a withered hand and he looks at Eagle One and his team. I see you, Eagle One and team. You can come out now. And he asks the question, is it right to heal on the Sabbath? And Eagle One and his team is like, no, you don't. (laughs) Don't you dare. And then Jesus says, the Sabbath is a commemoration commemoration of how God sets us free. Shouldn't I set him free and healed? And if you were there to observe Eagle One and his team, their veins are popping out. Some of them are going blue because they're not breathing. Some of them are really red at this moment and they are finding trouble breathing because they were just so angry. And Luke chapter 6 verse 11 says, And they began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. While in the gospel of Matthew and Mark recording the same account, the same circumstances, they said the Pharisees just outright plotted to kill Jesus because he broke some Sabbaths. Jesus, he's, he's claiming to be the Lord of the Sabbath. He's claiming to be God. He's claiming to be the, the Sabbath. All the Sabbath points to him. He's pretty much saying that he's going to provide, that he's going to save, that he's going to... He's claiming deity. We, we can't let him do that. And so they put their murder plan into motion. Fast forward to the Last Supper. And at this, I'll invite the band to come up. 
Moments later, we are going to take the Holy Communion as a Oikos family. But the Last Supper, a night before Jesus was going to be crucified. This was the holy week of the Jewish holiday. It, it celebrated for a whole week straight and it's called the Passover where the whole community just ceased working. And the only people that's really working are the priests. As the priests runs these rituals and ceremonies, they would get this lamb and they would slaughter the lamb and they would use the lamb's blood to sprinkle it around the altar, signifying that this innocent blood is going to wash us of our sins. And this is pretty much a reenactment of the Exodus, how when the angel of death came, when he, the angels of death saw that there was blood sprinkled on the frames of the door, the angel of death passed over. And so the Israelites were spared. And they also remember that it was during this time that God led them out of the Red Sea as Pharaoh chased them, but God led them out to safety. And not only that, God sent down manna and provided for them. It was all in commemoration of that. And Jesus at the Last Supper, which is pretty much the Sabbath dinner party. Again, I said party. Because our God isn't a God that restricts things. Oh, no fun for you. No, no, no. Our God is a God that's like, hey, celebrate. Celebrate with your loved ones. Be around with your friends. Just enjoy each other and me. And God says at this Last Supper, at this Last Sabbath dinner, He holds up the bread of the Sabbath. And what he's meant to say is, hey, this bread, remember how God gave us manna? No, no. What Jesus says instead is, this bread represents my body that's going to be broken for you. And by my wounds, you are going to be healed. And also at that dinner party, Jesus picks up the cup. What he was meant to say is, hey, remember the Passover? Remember how the lambs were were slaughtered and, and the angel of death passed over? You know what Jesus says? Jesus takes that cup and he says, hey, this represents my new covenant. This is my blood that will be shed for the forgiveness of many. Take of this, drink it, and do it as often as you can in remembrance of me. You know what Jesus was doing at that Sabbath dinner party? He was claiming, hey, everything, all the signs, this Passover feast, this, this, this Sabbath, all these signs point to me. They were only the shadow of my existence and I am its substance. It points to me. I am the Lord of the Sabbath. And you know what? Jesus shows up in the city of Jerusalem at one of its most busiest time, the the Passover feast, pretty much the climatic day of the Passover week was the ultimate Sabbath day. It was the ultimate Sabbath day of all Sabbath day. And Jesus went up on that cross for all to see. As His body broke and His blood shed, as He was killed and then buried, There was silence. 
But then on the third day, he rose again from the grave. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. That's why on this day, we call it the Lord's Day. In the past, Sabbath was a Saturday. But why do we now celebrate it on a Sunday? It's because Jesus rose from the grave. We gather around as brothers and sisters in remembrance that we worship a Jesus who is alive. That's why we gather around to party. And this party has lasted for over 2,000 years and it's still, we are still partying at Oikos Church now. That's why week in, week out, every Sunday, you can expect when you come to Oikos Church, we're going to worship Him. We're going to love Him. We're going to thank Him that He provided for us. We're going to remember that He provided the bread. He provided His blood for our sins, atonement for our sins. It was, it was all Him. And when we come together and we remember what He did on that cross and how He rose again, we could rest. As we remember on that cross, Jesus said, It is finished. It is finished. That's why we can rest. This is what the Hebrew writer says about Jesus. Jesus is the one that brings us the ultimate Sabbath. Jesus, and in Jesus, we find ultimate rest. It's not because of our works. No, no, it's because of what He has done. And God was satisfied. It is finished. That's why we can rest. And Jesus says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For I am gentle and humble in height, and you will find rest for your souls. Come to Jesus at this moment, church, for your souls. God bless you, church.